again, my name is Phil Harrington, associate pastor here, and I gotta just say, this week of VBS was incredible. Probably my my favorite so far that we've done. Uh, it was uh, eight years ago that Abby felt called, my wife Abby felt called to host a VBS for our church, which we hadn't done for a long time. And and over the years, like she she and uh, friend Vanessa, they ran it for the first couple of years, and then I stepped in and. Uh, I started helping out, and then I became children's pastor, and then she was like, it's yours, take it, I'm done. And uh, no, no, and then we did it together, and this past year was awesome to be able to do it with Christina, and, and again, pass that on to uh, Christina. Uh, this was my favorite year by far. It was so much fun. The kids had such a great time. I can't tell you how many stories I heard from parents, from friends, about how the kids left just impacted and changed because of EBS. It seems like something simple and seems like something uh, that is like a fun event that, you know, free childcare for, you know, better part of a week. Um, but really, there is significant impact in the lives of these kids. And so if you had a kid uh, there, I'm sure you heard it. And if you didn't have kids there, find a kid wearing one of these shirts out in the lobby and ask them how their time was at VBS and what they learned. <clears throat> and if they don't tell you the memory verse, I'm sure they'll tell you something else that they learned about VBS. And it's just so incredible. I'm so thankful uh, that our church gets to put on a VBS for our kids uh, every year. And so uh, thanks for uh, your support. Thanks to the volunteers. Uh, thanks to Abby for 18 years ago, reluctantly saying yes to the Lord to start a VBS at our church. Uh, and so, yeah, thank you. But to preach this morning, I get the, I know, if, if VBS wasn't enough, I get to come back and uh, to preach. So we're taking, a, last week we started and we took a step away from our Summer on the Mount series, and we're doing this uh, series about parenting, and, uh, and really not just about parenting, but passing on our faith to the next generation. It just so happens that uh, as we raise up and we talk about raising up the next generation, parenting is obvious something that we're going to emphasize and focus on, because as parents of the next generation, we have a large responsibility in doing just that. But it certainly goes far beyond that demographic of parents, because uh, parenting, passing on our faith, is in part a mandate for all people who follow Jesus, right? The Great Commission commands us to go and make disciples of all people, right? Passing on what we received baptizing them, and as the, the Bible says, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. That sounds like passing it on. So last week, Johnny introduced uh, the series with the point that we can't pass on what we don't have. If we are to raise passionate followers of Jesus, we ourselves need to be passionate followers of Jesus. And so today I want to spend some time talking about really how to do just that, what it looks like and what are some helpful tools to passing on our faith and raising up generations and generations and generations of passionate followers of Jesus. So before I go much further, let me, let me just pray. Holy Spirit, we just welcome your presence here. We thank you, God, that uh, we get to, to join together in this place of worship and, and praise you and honor you. And God, I just pray at this time that we would, uh, we would be open to hear from what uh, your scriptures and, and what word you have for us, for each of us as parents of young ones, parents of older ones, grandparents, those without kids, those who have yet to have kids, we all play a role in raising up our next generation. And so would you just speak to each of us today? We welcome your presence, and we pray this in your mighty name. Amen. 
and amen. So, you know, I don't know if you've heard, but they say that uh, being a parent is really hard, right? Some would say it's the hardest thing that a person can do. And while it sounds like, it sounds about right, I, I feel like there's something off there because uh, I see on the news, social media sometimes when I get on there, I've heard stories from people that I know and I've known some people that make uh, being a parent look pretty easy, right? Being labeled a father or a mother isn't that much responsibility or really difficult if you don't want it to be, right? It seems pretty easy to be a deadbeat dad, right? It's pretty simple to be an absentee parent. You just go about life doing what you want to do. You know, that doesn't really sound too hard. Even hands-off parents, sounds like they have it pretty easy. Being a parent isn't that hard. Parenting, there is a different story. Parenting, however, is very different than being a parent. Being a parent is just a title that is obtained from creating offspring, right? Parenting, though, is the action of raising the offspring entrusted to you. And therein lies the difficulties. As parents are like, okay, because right, you thought you were about to, I, was, I felt like I was about to get stoned when you were say, I was saying parents, being a parent isn't that difficult. But I do want to make that distinction that being a parent and parenting are two different things. And before we start sorting out the list of people in our heads that we know that fit in the uh, parent as title only category, I encourage you to look in the mirror, and that's what we really need to do, is look in the mirror and recognize the task at hand for each of us as parents. And again, not just those of us who are parents, but grandparents too. And those of you who do not have kids yet or will never have kids, but recognizing that being part of the family of God here, being a part of this church body, you have a ton of kids. You had a stage full of them here, right? You have a ton of kids who you can help in parenting. So, being a parent, not that difficult. Parenting, very difficult. It requires a whole host of attention, of creativity, patience, perseverance, uh, protective clothing at sometimes, right? Depending. As well as some breaks and times away. It requires really a whole toolbox of things to raise passionate followers of Jesus. So today, we're going to take a look at some of those. And my hope is that the parents in the room would, would feel equipped and feel encouraged to face this incredible, daunting, and difficult task of parenting with confidence and strength that comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit inside you. So while the Bible does say some really good things about parents and children, specifically like having a quiver full of them, right? In Proverbs, you read the Proverbs and it's just like, huh, that's interesting. Never thought of my kids as wanting a quiver full of them. I do understand the analogy of them being like arrows, right? So uh, I get that one. But I want us to look at a passage from Paul's second letter to Timothy, bless you. And while this passage is really isn't directly about parenting per se, as we read it, it might become painfully obvious how applicable it is to this, pas uh, this passage is to parenting. Whether you're a parent or a grandparent, yeah, you'll become acutely aware. So let's, let's look at it. Uh, first, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 5. It says, Preach the word. 
Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So how many for uh, parents for, in verse 3, you were like, that's my teenager, right? Like, that is my teenager. Time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves. Sounds like YouTube to me, right? Because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. For those of you who have kids and grandkids, we, we see that. It's true. But Paul is painting a bleak picture of people, and I can't help to see that this is where our society of kids are headed. But parenting in today's world is uh, so different than it was even a decade ago. I know talking to my parents and in-laws and asking about how, how should we raise our kids? What do we do in this situation? And the number of times my parents were like, I don't know, we didn't have cell phones back then, right? Like, instant, you know, Instagram didn't exist. TikTok didn't exist when I was raising you, so... I have no idea. But parenting in this generation and that these kids is incredibly difficult. And everything is being so easily accessible and immediately and, you know, free, right? It's completely different than it was even a decade ago. And I tell you what, like the books cannot be written fast enough, right? A book comes out and it's like, hey, this was just it was published last year. And by the time it's being published and I'm getting, and getting my hands on it and I'm reading it, I'm like, this is so three years ago right? It just doesn't keep up. It cannot keep up with the ever-changing landscape and environment and trends our kids are facing on a day-to-day basis. But Paul's commission to Timothy here is, is straightforward and super helpful as we go about our parenting duties of raising passionate followers of Jesus using the three tools Paul gives Timothy. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. So I want to take some time and I want to go through those three tools because they're super helpful tools that we need to use as parents, not just in, uh, it seems like it's just about discipline, but it's not just about discipline. It's about raising passionate followers of Jesus. And the role and responsibility of us as parents that we have in training our kids in this way. So the first one, first tool that we're given, that Paul gives us, uh, Paul gives Timothy is correct, a correction. And the Greek word here is alento. And it's translated correct, right, as we see, but it also means to reprimand, to show fault, expose, or even convict. And it's the same word used in John 16, 8, when Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And again, that sounds pretty harsh, right? Like, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to convict our kids and slap them around and yell at them and convict them, right? But that's not how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit convicting is more of a gentle voice of correction saying, hey, hey, that's not what I have for you. There's a better way. It's a gentle nudge that something isn't right about your life or in your heart. We're familiar when we listen to sermons and and hear something that catches our heart and makes us aware of something in our own lives that needs change. You know, again, it's not a smack across the face or a hand that, on the hand that says no, but it's a gentle nudge of the Spirit. Likewise, as parents, 
We can gently convict our kids and correct, making them aware that their actions and attitudes are not acceptable and help them to see how and why. Right? I feel like the, the follow-up of our correction isn't always there, but it's always the more important aspect. You can tell them that to not do that, but why and how not to. In very young children, correction is often the very first step of discipline. And as the child grows and matures, correction should be, could be as simple as a question, such as, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you should be doing that? And instead of raising your voice and yelling, they can recognize the error of their way and make the correction on themselves. You know, as parents, we have to be careful to find a good balance of correcting things that need corrected versus, you know, correcting childlike responses to life. The last thing we want to become is the crabby, impossible-to-please parent who is constantly correcting inconsequential behaviors of our children. So we have correct as a first tool. But sometimes a simple correction will not suffice, right? How many times do you say no before you have to go on to something different? So a simple correction, when a simple correction does not suffice, we we receive the second tool of rebuke. Paul gives us the second tool of rebuke. Rebuke is the Greek word epitomeo, which means, you say that three times fast, means to warn or sternly tell, to admonish strongly, admonish strongly. So when a gentle correction hasn't been enough to change the child's behavior, this tool may be what is needed to make the course correction in their life. See, now I get it. Now you may be starting to feel a little more uncomfortable, me telling me that you need to rebuke your child, right? I think, I think of rebuke as uh, Jesus rebuking Peter, right? Get behind me, Satan. You know, like, don't say that to your kids. I'm, I'm just going to, like, parenting advice right here, free. Don't tell your kids that they're Satan, and then you get behind you. It's not going to work. It's not going to be good. No, but the act of rebuke is a step further. It's more stern. It's more, it's more in, uh, intense. So we're raising the intensity of our correction. See, rebuke and giving and receiving, but when you take time to rebuke someone with grace and love and truth, we are actually, it's an act of love. A rebuke is an act of love. For our kids, we love them so much that we want to see their lives transformed, and sometimes their behaviors are just getting in the way, right? They get in the way of their transformation, and the best thing for us to do is rebuke. Proverbs 27 says, better is open rebuke than concealed love. It would be better for us to rebuke our children in love than to withhold that from them. Better is open rebuke than concealed love. Wounds from a friend are trustworthy. It applies not just to parents, but it applies to friends and adults as well. See, rebuking, however, it's not yelling across the room at your child and say, hey, you knock it off over there, right? Nor is it harsh or humiliating scolding. A biblically practiced rebuke is a private, stern warning used to prevent your child from needing further discipline. See, you've upped the intensity from a correction, but you're still not yelling at them. You're not using anger to control your child. And this third tool is probably the most important, not probably, is the most important. 
It's the, the, the tool of encouragement. Paul commands Timothy to encourage. And the Greek word is parakletos, which comes from two words, which para, which means the, by the side of, and kaleo, which means to call. To encourage means to come alongside someone in order to help, to bring aid, and to bring courage. Parents, more than anything else, you are called alongside to help your kids all the time, 24 hours a day. This is where it gets exhausting, right? Encouraging your kids includes telling them good job when they do something right. Uh, the former first lady, Lady Bird Johnson, is known for saying that children are likely to live up to what you believe of them. If all they hear is corrections and rebukes from you as a parent, they will eventually conclude that there's something probably wrong with them, that they're difficult or bad or too much trouble or even worse, that the gospel doesn't work for them, which was why for every rebuke and correction, there should be 10 encouragements. Encouragement is verbally affirming your son or daughter for who they are, for the choices that they make, for their godly responses and their success in difficult times. Encouragement is the most effective tool you have because your children will become who you tell them you see them becoming. Let me repeat that. Because it is a mouthful to say. But as parents and as followers of Jesus, we need to let this sink in. Your children will become who you tell them you see them becoming. I had an experience this past week um, of VBS with uh, encouragement of my youngest child, Nora. Uh, I realized a couple failures in this whole process. It was fun for me. Uh, but as I've been preparing the sermon and thinking through these things and um, Nora was up on stage with Rachel, and they were leading the kids in worship, and they, she was doing the dances, and dance is her thing. She's super good at it. Um, some of her challenges in life are stick to uh, like not following through. Uh, I mean, she's 11, so you get it, and it makes sense, but she's really good at dancing, and she loves to do it, and I'll be honest with you, and I can say this because I said it to her too, I was not certain that she was going to do the greatest job in carrying through her responsibilities as a worship, uh, leading worship here for the kids on stage. And after the first day, I was completely wrong. And it was incredible. And so as we're driving home, Molly, my, our oldest Molly and I were driving home, and I was telling, talking to Molly about how great of a job Nora did, and I became acutely aware and sad that I had failed my, my daughter in the fact that I did not encourage her enough and I did not believe that she could do the greatest job that she did. So I sold, totally sold my kids short. So that was the first problem that I realized, first parenting fail that I found in this uh, circumstance. But the second one is more tied to this, when I'm, you know, what we're talking about here and encouraging. Is that when we got home, I was like, I'm going to talk to her about this. I'm going to apologize, and I'm going to uh, encourage her. So I did. I sat her down. I was like, Nora, I need to apologize. I did not expect, what, I did not expect from you what I knew and witnessed that you could do. And so I'm sorry. And she just looked at me like, face beat red, like, what are you doing, Dad? This is really weird. 
and therein lies the second parenting failure that I recognize, that my own daughter, my 11-year-old daughter, was completely uncomfortable with me encouraging her. Right? I heard that. I heard that noise. Yes. Right? My daughter was uncomfortable with me encouraging her, which said to me, my daughter is not comfortable with me encouraging her because I don't do it enough. It's not enough. I've n- I have not encouraged my daughter enough that it is a foreign concept. She's like burying her hands, head in her hands, like, Dad, stop. Don't look at me. This is weird. Like, this is really uncomfortable. And I realized that, oh, my, I have not encouraged my child enough. See, encouraging your children is not just a good parenting technique or a confidence booster for your kid's self-esteem. Encouragement is, in essence, a form of blessing your kids. We see in Mark chapter 10, 13 through 16, we read the account of parents bringing their kids to Jesus. One of few instances where we see Jesus get mad, right? In the Bible. Parents are bringing their kids to Jesus just to have them, just to have them touch them and the, the disciples are like, hey, get out of here, kids. Get out of here, kids. And Jesus becomes indignant, it says. He says these words, Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And then what we see is this remarkable act of Jesus in verse 16. It says, After taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and blessed them. Wouldn't it be amazing? Imagine what it would be like and feel like to be sitting on Jesus' lap, his hands laid on you, and he blesses you. I mean, that would be great. I wouldn't mind having that happen to me, right? Like, who wouldn't want Jesus to lay their hand on you and bless you? A physical touch blessing from Jesus. But consider what difference it could make to our kids, to your kids, for them to receive a blessing from you. Affirming who they are. Letting them know that you see and you know them that you are proud of them, that you are for them as their parent. See, Paul gave Timothy these three tools to fulfill his ministry, right? To correct, to rebuke, and to encourage. These are also tools for parents in fulfilling our ministry as parenting, of parenting our kids. So I want to point out one last thing here in that verse that Paul shares with Timothy about how to do his ministry, right? He says, encourage uh, to correct rebuke and encourage and what does he say with great patience and teaching some translation use the word instruction great patience and teaching as anyone who has spent any amount of time with any kid in this world knows patience is paramount patience is everything I mean, who would have ever thought that it would require patience to get an answer about which color bowl they want to eat their cereal in? Right? See, I'm not alone. I knew it. I mean, because heaven forbid they eat it in the yellow bowl. But really, patience is more than waiting. It's a posture for us to maintain. Patience is more than just waiting for our kids, but patience is a posture that we maintain. This is hard work, and it requires constant attention. But the more we stick with it, the more we connect with our kids, the more we will see the fruits of our patient teaching and instruction, because in the end, it's all about building, growing, and maintaining intimate heart and soul connection with our kids. It's about forming our kids to obey Jesus, 
to want to follow him, to, and to instruct our kids how to experience transformation so when they are out on their own, they'll continue to follow Jesus. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way they should go. Even when they are old, they will not depart from it. Our instruction, and when done in love and with correction, uh, in connection, I'm sorry, using connection, rebuke, and encouraging, forms a heart of obedience and of faith that will last beyond their childhood. Again, I know this is way easier said than done, right? But this is our responsibility as parents. This is our ministry as parents. This is our ministry to which we are to fulfill, as Paul says. The great news is we don't have to figure it out on our own. And we are not left on our own, to our own devices. There are so many great resources available to help us to be the parent that we are called to be. And just for a couple minutes, I want to share some of these resources for you. Because I remember uh, when I was in seminary, one of the greatest things I ever learned was from one of my professors who said, I don't expect or believe that anybody can know everything or should have to know everything. I don't expect you to know everything. I just want you to know where to find it and where to look. To know the right resources and how to find the answers to your questions. So parents, don't think that you're ever going to know everything you need to know. It's not possible. Especially in today's world, when everything changes every 30 seconds. There's no expectation for you to know everything there is to know about parenting. But we do have a lot of great resources that I've come across and a lot of um, resources as a church we have available to you. The first one I want to highlight is uh, theparentq.org. And there's a the picture of their website there. So theparentq.org is written or is maintained by uh, Think Orange, which is the company that you, we use uh, for our curriculum, for our children's curriculum. It is fantastic. There are so many resources from babies all the way through high school. Uh, because we use this curriculum in our church, we have access to an app that you can connect uh, to connect to our through our church. And with that app, you can add your children and your, their ages and their, their grades and everything, and you'll get tailored for that each individual kid the, tied to their curriculum that they go through on Sunday morning so you can watch the Bible stories that they watch. You can learn the memory verses that they are learning for the month, the Bible stories that they learn. There are even devotionals that you can download from there that they can do on a daily basis. It's a super amazing resource. And not only that, they send you great push notifications every Monday. And every time I get one, I'm struck by how just impactful they are. They are super encouraging and challenging all at the same time. So it's theparentq.org is the website. And from there, you can get the app, uh, download the app on uh, iPhone or Android. Also, from the Parent Q, is they have an incredible uh, collection of articles from their blog and blog posts. Again, ranging from all ages, from birth to through high school, because that's where they focus on. And even some post-high school as well. Uh, incredible uh, resources there. They also have a podcast, because everybody has a podcast. Again, and it's great. High-quality content. Also, there's so many resources that you, of books that you can buy. I'm a reader. I'm a nerd like that. I get it. Not everybody is. But, uh, so that's why there's podcasts and blogs. It's great. But there are some incredible books on that website, um, and they're more workbooks than reading books. And they're called the, uh, the Parenting My or Parenting Your series. There's a, whole, there's a book for every age and every grade of your child. 
from, again, from birth through high school. There's a book for every grade, and it helps you to really focus in on your kids at that age, whatever age they are in. And so you can get one. We've used a number of them for our kids, and they've been insightful and helpful in uh, understanding our, uh, our seven-year-old, right? Under when she was seven. Yeah, she's not anymore because she's 11. I just remember that was the first one that we got was, uh, was it like second grader? Parenting your second grader? Are they seven and second? I don't know, whatever. But um, I remember parenting your second grader was one of those like, oh my gosh, my kid is actually changing, you know, right before my very eyes. And then the high school ones. Whew. I mean, every parent needs something when they have a high schooler. They need some kind of resources. So parenting your high schooler, well, those books are great. Uh, and it just so happens, unbeknownst to me, that uh, those, uh, all those parenting your books are on sale for 20% off from their website. Uh, we don't get any kickbacks or we don't get anything, so I'd encourage you. Uh, I'm just telling you about this resource because they're that good. They're fantastic, and they'll help you. So check those out. Um, again, I like to read, so I have a couple books that I want to share with you. Um, the first book is called Raising Passionate Followers, uh, Jesus Followers, Raising Passionate Jesus Followers. This book is written by uh, Phil and Diane Comer. They are long-term, uh, long-term pastors, long-time pastors, and just have an incredible amount of wisdom that's practical and uh, mental, ways to think and ways to uh, uh, process what you're doing and, and how you're raising kids. Again, this is kind of, uh, this is one of the primary books that we use to, to create this series is Raising Passionate Followers of Jesus. We are passing on our faith. And again, if you want to raise a passionate follower of Jesus, you have to be a passionate follower of Jesus yourself. Definitely recommend that book. It's a really easy read as well. Short chapters, which I know I've come to find out that like short chapters are a game changer for a lot of people. Um, so it's, it's great, fantastic. Uh, next book, uh, another book is Growing With. This is more for your teenage and upper years, but it's, it's, uh, it is, comes out of uh, the Fuller Institute of Youth on uh, California from Fuller Seminary, and uh, this is research-based uh, information on parenting your teenagers and growing with them. As they grow older, your parenting changes, right? I know you've noticed that for those of you with kids. As your kids have gotten older, you have to change the way you parent. And so this, is, this book is focusing on uh, you know, the adolescence into the young adult, into adult even. Uh, fantastic resource, a great, uh, uh, not a whole lot of scripture, I was kind of surprised by that, but it's very biblically based, research oriented. And then a uh, third book there is Spiritual Parenting by Michelle Anthony. Uh, one of the first uh, earlier books on parenting, Christian parenting that I read uh, quite a number of years ago, and it was a breath of fresh air because there are no shortage of parenting books, right? Uh, what to expect when you're expecting. I, I just like want to punt that thing out the window because that, all, that book drove me nuts because when my kid wasn't walking at 10 to 16 months, you start getting worried, right? Anyway, but this, uh, this book, Spiritual Parenting, was the first book that I came across that really spoke to what it means to be a spiritual parent, a parent your children in faith. It is simple, and it is a great read, and super encouraging with lots of great stories. Three great books, three great resources to check out. You can find them on every major book sale. And growing with, I found at Ollie's. So for like $4, it was, that was a huge win. Uh, like best deal ever, right? Uh, 
But lastly, the, the, the last resource I really want to hone in on is just look around you. As parents in this room, I want you to look around. Everyone in this room is a resource to you. Because we're a church family, right? We are all called to speak life and encouragement to one another. To you and to your kids. You aren't going this alone, and we are all here to help you become the best parent you can be for your kids.